Hey, how you doing? I got a question for you. Do you want real change? I'm talking about we gonna stop ending our years the same way we began them. Well, I got something for you. It's the Dr. Nina's Mentorship Membership, a community with actionable steps and tips designed by yours truly. I'm a licensed clinical and school psychologist, a licensed specialist in school psychology, a nationally certified school psychologist, as well as an associate and tenured professor and clinic director in the states of Texas and Louisiana. Some of you all may know me as Beautiful Brown Baby Doll from YouTube, where I have a wonderful community of over 1 million loyal supporters, where we talk about ways to improve our lifestyle from fitness, weight loss, skincare, hair care, what to eat, how to change our lives, our growth, our education, all of it. But this is a deeper dive than that. This is research-based tips for improvements in mental toughness, the very same tips that I share with my clients, my students, and even some of my fellow colleagues in ways to improve their lives, achieve goals, and also maintain the results. There's a full portal of action tips by way of video, including such courses as my fail method, fall and immediately learn, or the sky is not your limit, 10 solid ways to change your life now. Now I know you're ready for that transformation and that real change. Head to drninaellishervey.com forward slash membership and use code now that's life at checkout and get 10% off your first month. You can also find the link in the show notes. This is not therapy, but it does offer you supplemental information and coaching from a licensed psychologist. We'll be waiting for you. taking care of yourselves. And I pray that this time has been reflective and not at all a negative for you. I hope you are flipping everything into positives and finding ways to even deal with the negatives through all the storms and the things that we have seen this year. It's been a rough year. It has been a rough year, but I have no doubt in my mind that you all out there have the tools and are building the tools to be able to not only overcome, but to live address and be 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 healthy 100% and let me get off my high horse because today on now that's life my guest who is one of the coolest ladies I've had the honor of meeting will talk about real adversity and how we can rise to the challenges and live our best lives she eloquently talks about the real road to self-love how she's learned to more than roll with the punches and become a true activist and live a life that is beyond golden and I say this because a lot of times it's easy for us to talk about our own situations and get caught up in a lot of the things that happen to us and happen in this world. But we have so much to live for. No matter what happens to us, so much to live for. And I'm praying that you find and hoping that you find the joy in today's episode because it's purposeful, meaningful, and needed. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Ellis Hervey, a licensed clinical and school psychologist in the states of Texas and Louisiana. I'm a nationally certified school psychologist, a licensed specialist in school psychology, an associate and tenure professor and clinic director, a certified professional life coach, and this is Now That's Life. Now, I know it seems I'm thanking y'all all the time, but I mean it. It's from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sincere and genuine. I'm so thankful for your support and never in a million years did I think over on YouTube we would reach over 1 million amazing, dynamic, and beautiful people, y'all. I mean that. I mean that y'all send the love, you DM, you post, you tag, and I appreciate it because I repost and I retag. And if there's ever anything that you want to hear in terms of content, anything that you need to hear in terms of new things that you want me to address on any one of these outlets in my content, please let me know. And also, if something's good to you in your soul, make sure you go ahead and share it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube. Let your people know where we at, what we doing, and how good the information is to you. And also, this podcast. And one thing I want to tell you about is over on Facebook, we have a new free group called the Dr. Nina's Mendership Group. Mendership Group. This group is designed to hold one another accountable, no matter what your venture is, no matter what it is that you're doing 
doing, no matter what your walk of life, there are people in there that may be able to support you, be able to give you ideas, some advice or share some information. And we have been having a good time over there and even doing some challenges. So please join our private exclusive group. I think you'll be glad that you did. Not I think, I know, okay? Today's show is yet another special one. And you know why? Because all the people I rose with is dope, okay? And this is a new friend, a new friend. And I'm so excited about this episode because I feel like there's so many wisdom nuggets, so much in this episode that you will learn. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Ladia Joyce. And Ladia Joyce is a University of Memphis alumna with a dual degree in communications and music industry business. I said dual degree, okay? She holds an MBA in marketing and has almost 20 years of industry experience specializing in promotions and experiential marketing. She has created local and national marketing experiential campaigns and worked with organizations such as Def Jam South, Atlantic Records, Verizon, FedEx, Gallo Family Wines, and Coca-Cola. Look, y'all, I, whew, I'm already falling over. Now, when she's not working as a marketing manager, she's the face and voice of Positively Dia. Her platforms that advocate, educates, and spreads awareness about HIV, healthy sex practices, and radical self-care. She is Memphis-born, Atlanta-forged, and Brooklyn-propelled. I heard that. She is a force to be reckoned with and now a rebel with a cause. Y'all, this is by far one of the most exciting, fun, and, and, and emotion-filled episodes that I've ever done and, and one of the most profound guests I've ever had. Look, I can't even pull the words. So without further ado, I want to make sure that I introduce you to my new friend, Ladia Joyce. Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I've already shared my excitement for today's episode. I mean, just dopeness all around. Y'all know I only roll with the best to roll with the best. And today is no different. So we have the beautiful Ladia Joyce, and she is joining us. Y'all heard all those wonderful things that she does in her bio. But I want to, first off, thank her for taking of her lovely and amazing time, because I know she has things to do to be here with us today. And also, you know, for her to just come and, and share herself with you all. I can, I, I appreciate you so much, Ladia, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I want you to introduce yourself to the audience as well. First of all, I was like, who, who Dr. Nia talking about? She's talking about me. No, I was like, girl, whoever she's talking about, girl, bravo, she is beautiful, but no. <laughs> So no, but no, thank you so much. Like I told you, I've been stalking you on YouTube. So it is a pleasure, an honor. I'm like, you know, bow down. I'm not worthy to be a part of this podcast. Mm. So thank you. Um, hello, Dr. Nina's. I, what do you call them? You, the brown baby dolls. Hey, y'all. You know what? I ain't called them anything, but I love that. Okay. okay. The brown baby dolls. Hey, brown baby dolls. But um, as she said earlier, my name is Ladia Joyce. Um, born and raised in Memphis. I spent time in Atlanta and Brooklyn. So my heart is equally divided between those three cities. Um, I am, how do I say this? I'm a sorority girl. I'm a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. All right, <laughs> sister Greek, sister Greek. Right, right. Um, I got my MBA in marketing. Uh, I've been doing marketing for over 20 plus years. And just, I think, you know, all around dope brown skin girl who uh, represents, I'm always hashtag, always a Memphis girl who uh, was recently, well, not recently, four years would be September 29th would make it four years that I've been diagnosed with HIV. So that's kind of like, this, I hate to say trick in my back pocket, but that's just like, you know, the wild card when it comes to me and what I do. And now this new work that I do when it comes to HIV awareness, when it comes talking about um, healthy sex practices, as well as mm. the hashtag that I developed going through my diagnosis for the year that I was silent about it. I call it hashtag radical self-care. So mm. I, that's just like, you know, right now what I do with my platforms is like the, the intersection of my expertise, my education and my lived experience, lived life experiences. So that's who I am. Daughter, auntie, guy, mama, um, 
that auntie that you can kick it with, but sorority girl, sister, um, and HIV advocate, me. I absolutely love it. And and you know what I love, Ladia, because we've had a conversation before this and we share a really, really great friend. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about you, and I think that I live by this mantra in my own life, is that when you talk about what people you know, perceive as difficult, you own it. It's not like, oh, this is what happened to me. You know, this mm-hmm. is me. You know, you are owning everything that you have and, and embracing every experience. And I don't care what it is. And that that is something that I always listen for with people, mm-hmm. which is why I'm so happy to connect with you. Uh, because so many people face many different things. We all have a, what you say, trick in your back pocket. <laughs> a little wild we all do. Right. <laughs> and I think sometimes when we get to it, you know, there's this woe is me. Mm-hmm. And, and like you, I like to live life out loud and mm. be fine with whatever that trick is in that back pocket because it's a part of me, but mm-hmm. it doesn't define me. So how did you get to that point? You you, embar- you embrace all of these wonderful, wonderful characteristics. And how did you embrace also that part of you as well? Whew, how did I embrace the diagnosis? It was not easy. And like you said, I'm not the person's like, you know, you're going to do this. No, sis. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's a process. Um, how I got there in the back of my mind, and this is not me to sound like cryptic or anything like that. I knew that I couldn't die. And mm-hmm. one of my mantras always is that I want to die empty. So mm. die, die empty was one of those things that like when I'm up out of here, die empty is on a t-shirt, die empty. That's my die goal. Empty. And I knew at the point of being diagnosed as September 29th, 2016, I wasn't empty. Like I was in the middle of doing so a myriad of different things. I was opening up a business, doing travel, relocating. So I was just like, this cannot, this is a, a semicolon. It's not even a period. It ain't even a comma because it's a more to come after this. So the fact that I sat in that and was just like, this ain't it. And so I, mm. need, I knew I needed to do whatever was necessary, hashtag radical self-care, to get me beyond that point. Mm. So that's how. I got you. Amazing. And and here's the the interesting part about that that I hear um from you and I think about other situations and other people. I mean, clearly I'm a psychologist. I hear mm-hmm. different things all day long. However, what I think people don't do diagnosis or not or whatever or not we don't, you know what a Drake say, everybody dies but not everybody lives. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us never feel that enjoyment and fulfillment in life and know what we need to do, whether it's a process or not. So I commend <laughs> that spirit. Um, I mean, it's just, and it's infectious. I love it. I love it because um, you're expressing something that's so important across life is that, you know, no matter what happens to you, you have to want to still push forth and deplete all of the greatness that it, you are supposed to give to the world. Period. Um, and you do that. You do that. Oh, thanks. Ah. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, it's, and when you hear it come back to you, you know, you, you're like, okay, God, all right, that's confirmation. Because sometimes you move about and you don't know this, you know, people with diagnosis, folks who ain't been diagnosed or anything, but you just move through life and you're just wondering, am I being impactful? So to hear that come back, is just like, oh, we're my Kleenex, because you're like, that feels good. You know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. like, it's um, it's it's like word, love, affirmation. And and for us to sit out here, I had no folks like, I'm not, you know, I don't need words, affirmation, you're lying. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that comes back and enraptures you. It's just like, okay, I, you know, that, that feels good. Thank you. You know, I appreciate that. So no. No problem. No problem. I, you know, real recognizes real. So mm-hmm. I, I absolutely have to point that out. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask, I know you you do a lot of work in it, and you've mentioned you're an MBA, you've, mm-hmm. you know, work with different people. I know from talking to you, you've worked with different organizations. You've done a lot of things on your own out here. Um, what started to uh, 
change your mindset and your process through, you know, the things that you have been through more specifically, like you said, your diagnosis and Mm -hmm. that changed the way you aligned yourself, I think as an entrepreneur and also as what you give out to the world, what helped you to get to that radical self-care point, that point where you said, I'm going to care for me and I'm going to do the work that I know I need to do? It became very apparent that I was not going to be any good to anybody until I was first good to myself. Mm. And when you're facing a diagnosis like HIV, you know, we don't know what it looks like, you know, because we, I know I hadn't been up close and personal with anyone who had been diagnosed and who had lived through that. So I didn't know what life was going to look like. I didn't know what life on medication was going to look like. I'm constantly fighting stigma, stereotypes, preconceived notions in the back of my head. So it was like, okay, I need to make sure that I am in my best self, whatever that requires, and making sure I'm doing everything that satisfies Ladia. And I don't call it being selfish. I call it being self-full. Mm. Or I give anything out because we're not even supposed to pour from a full cup. We're supposed to give everybody else the overflow. Mm. So that's what changed my mind. And I had to have real conversations with what I call my tribe. And I was like, listen, I can't be worried about you. Ladia can't be the go-to person right now. I can't. And, you know, I don't have the even the strength, the mental capacity or the bandwidth to extend or expand for just randomness. I, I can't entertain it, you know, because I'm mm. fighting my own right up and through here and getting to that resolve. It was just like, all right, let me stack up what I want to do. Let me stack up what I need to pay attention to. Let me say no, you know, because I'm in this situation probably because I didn't say no. So let me exercise mm. no. Let me exercise my self-efficacy and and my self-advocacy because I got to take a step back and turn some things inward. So that is what helped me line things up, change my perspective and what I was doing in this lane. Wow. Wow. You are, you're a blessing for many reasons. I, you're speaking to all of us and especially those of us who have not learned to embrace all of us, no Mm -hmm. matter what that is. Now I'm going to backtrack a little bit okay? um, because we've, again, I'm going to reiterate, you are so many things and all of them amazing. So here, you know, you talked about speaking up front and being up front with your story and, and also uh, that radical self-care. Could you tell us just a little bit more? Because I think so many people out there think they know the face of any diagnosis, you mm-hmm. know, let alone HIV. They believe they know who that person could be and, and what they look like and what they are and how they are. Now, y'all have heard all of these wonderful and amazing things about Lydia. Um, and, and she's beautiful to boot. So could you tell us more about, you said those preconceived notions, mm-hmm. those uh, stereotypes in, in in how you found found out and, and what that view of yourself was and others that you knew may have shared that diagnosis. Well, here we go. Media plays a, or has played or continue to, continues to play a very good part in making Black women who've been diagnosed with HIV be a certain stereotype. Um, they've kind of beat into our heads. And this is, you know, this is me, hear my heart when I say they've made it be very, you know, oh, she was a crackhead or she was a drug addict or she was someone who was very promiscuous or um, she did a lot of survival sex work. And they've painted this picture because if that's what we kind of thought. You know, it was mm-hmm. gay man. And mm-hmm. then if you're a black woman, it's just like, you know, or a black person, period. Oh, the, you know, a dirty needle, you know, or, right, you know, right. if it's, so it's, it's those things I'm saying, you know, sitting here as a multi-degreed black woman entrepreneur, and you're sitting mm-hmm. here on the receiving end of a HIV diagnosis. You're just like, wait, huh? Wait a minute. And not to not think that I was ever, um, excluded or I had a cloak to keep me from, you know, acquiring HIV because I was doing the things that 
STIs and STDs are transmitted through. I was having sex and I was having condomless sex with a partner. I just didn't think about it because I didn't think that I was in that of a, what is it? Um, a vulnerable population for lack of better words. Mm. Mm. But knowing now that outside of gay men, black women are the second leading most vulnerable population when it comes to HIV transmission. Wow. Wow. And let's, let's explore that because, okay. so I, I know I can't ask you every question under the sun because <laughs> we don't have you back on again. Okay. Uh, but when, you said, you know, that these are the two most vulnerable groups. You've mm-hmm. mentioned black women and black gay men. Uh, how, how are you learning more about, you know, cause you just mentioned what the face was for you because of media mm-hmm. and those that have, you know, gone through and found out they've been diagnosed. Um, what has that done for you and your work and being able to educate people? Because I think, again, you said you didn't think that you uh, were invincible per mm-hmm. se, um, but you were doing something and I'm, I'm going deep here. You were doing something that, Many of us do, Mm -hmm. you know, you trust the people you love and you should. However, you know, there's parts of that that we have to learn about. So how are you using that strength and understanding and knowing these populations to educate? Because people believe they think they know who these people are, but they're just like you said, a multiply degree, beautiful, uh, elegant, smart, uh, sorored, uh, you know, all of that. (laughs) Right, right. So how how are you educating others about this in the face of this? What I do is that I'm very transparent and poking the holes in my own lived experience and my story to share and to educate. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, I come like I think we told you earlier, I go into rooms, you know, I may have on my sorority sweater or something like that. So you can Mm -hmm. think, so when you see me, you're like, oh, she's, you know, she's put together. Because a lot of times I walk in rooms and people don't think I'm HIV positive because I don't look the part. So because you, I, and this may seem superficial, but again, hear my heart, because you think HIV looks a certain way, I'm going to be more apt to come in looking the complete opposite of what you Mm. think it is. So if I walk up into there, you know, into whatever room and with red bottoms on, designer bag, you know, nice watch, pull together, make up beats the arts, I'm trying to be <laughs> even more opposite of what you think it is. So when I open my mouth, because I, I work in marketing, I understand that looks and, and everything, it appeal is everything. But when I mm-hmm. started to open my mouth and say, hey, my name is Ladia and I'm, you know, was diagnosed with HIV, you know, it it's you're paying attention to me because now I have bust your whole bubble wide open. Mm. And I'm intentional with that because I want you to be like, if nothing else, sis, I need you to hear me and hear me real clear. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. I need you to hear because the popular opinion among, you know, different medical sectors is that people who look and move like me and you, women who move like me and you, black women, who move like me and you are least likely to get tested for STIs and STDs. Mm, I didn't know that one. I didn't know that one. Because think about it, Dr. Nina. If I'm engaging in survival sex work or if I'm, you know, doing whatever it needs to survive sexually, I'm more aware of the threat. So if in order for me to work and work in a healthy way, I have to safeguard myself. I can't, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to take more precaution. Not to say that doesn't happen, but they're more cognizant of the threat. Mm. Mm. Wow. Y'all heard that. Y'all heard that she over here schooling y'all. <laughs> schooling me. Um, now, I, I think that this is so important because on my YouTube channel, I talk so much about the importance of getting tested, mm-hmm. the importance of understanding. You know, I always tell them I was raised church God in Christ, you know, like you, part like of my roots are in Memphis. <laughs> okay, part of my roots are in Memphis where the start of the church of God in Christ happened. I went mm-hmm. to Pentecostal Temple. Yeah, man. You know, we... <laughs> 
we have a very, I think sometimes, a very limited understanding of mm-hmm. sex and how it can fully affect us mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. um, all of that. And so I know on my channel, I try to make sure that I tell people about my experiences and why I get tested and why I started getting tested even before I had sex, Um, Mm -hmm. just because I wanted to know more about just getting tested and the doctor that I went to, knowing who to move on from if they were not caring about my physical health Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and my needs, which could further harm my mental health. So I say all that to say it it is no shock to me now hearing what you've just said, because so many people will say, well, that's just a lot. Well, that costs a lot of money. And why would you need to do all that if you being safe? And then when you ask people what is being safe to them, Uh you're like, honey, (laughs) I told you now we've had a conversation about this. I had a person tell me they inspect people's private parts before they have sex with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, and you must have X-ray, uh, redi- not even X-ray vision. Baby. You must be able to read blood levels. <laughs> a molecular X-ray vision. <laughs> you must be able to because that don't tell you anything. I mean, science has come a far away. Health, general health over mm-hmm. years has been different than it was in the past. Um, and so you're not going to see a lot of the things that those old slideshows showed us. You mm-hmm. just not. Um, not until a person is totally immunocompromised. So how do you teach people? Once again, you've talked about the face and how you broke through the stereotypes and those types of things. How do you think it's the best way to continue in that message and help people understand that you don't have a superpower of doing that without going to get tested and taking the proper precautions and measures? And even that could still leave you at risk. Uh, It may seem simple, but simple ain't always easy. And it's to have the conversation. Like I know a lot of times we say, you know, wrap it up, you know, get tested. It goes beyond that. It goes to having conversation with your partners, you know, and I'm not here because I don't shame, you know, because some people I like to say are more sexually free than others. So if your partner or partners with, you know, multiple have Mm -hmm. open, honest conversations about your status. Have you been tested? When's the last time you've been tested? Oh, matter of fact, I got it saved on my phone. Oh, you haven't been tested? And getting to the point where you're, again, exercising your self-efficacy to say, hmm, you know what? I may be a little hot tail right now, and I may want this penis real bad, but because the penis or the um, vagina, sorry, about to say something else. The penis. <laughs> oh, you good. You good. We grown over here. Okay. We grown. Hey, hey, mama. Hey, mama. But no, the penis nor the pussy is in your pocket. So because it's not, you have to move like that. And in order for us to further the conversation, to further this conversation, we got to have the conversation because we have to think about it. We're not having it. Like, Come on, like, you know, we still feel some type of way about carrying our own condoms. Sis, get over that. You know what I'm saying? Like, And you might be the breakthrough (laughs) for somebody else, too. When you say that, I think about the fact that, you know, in my own conversations and conversations that I've had with friends, you know, about different things. And they'll hear you talking about these things. And they're like, you know what? I... I need to go get tested, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes you just normalize that for that person. You yeah. know, they might. And and I think, too, that a lot of times the agony is not even in getting that diagnosis per se. Sometimes it's just in the not knowing, walking around, just not knowing if you whatever, you right. know, and then then there comes anxiety and more stress and, you know, all of that. And so I think sometimes just talking about it, like you said, normalizes it. It's it's not it's it's interesting to me that we will shun the notion of even talking about it or going to get tested or things like that and act as if that is a horrible, harmful thing. And then, you know, want to put stereotypes off on people when things happen. Yeah. It's just it's it's counterintuitive. I will never understand that. And it's mind boggling when you think about it. It's like, okay, so sis, you don't want to go get tested, but you're going to let this Negro lay up with you um, or this, you know, Negro or, you know, woman lay up with you. No information about their sexual partners. And to me, that's not even healthy sex because it's not so much not knowing the status, but you haven't, you don't know. And we haven't done enough to see if there are you healthy enough 
for me mentally? Are you healthy mm. enough for me physically? Because if you're going to lay down with me and we haven't had that conversation, you don't even value my health. Because if you can't respect my body, how am I going to expect you to respect my spirit and my mental? And this and third, and be respect and be receptive to what I need in that moment to make this a healthy, pleasurable sex experience. Wow. Woof. Jesus, we, yeah, we're definitely going to have a YouTube live because these need to be discussed. And and we're definitely going to do this again. I want to ask this because I told you I've kind of been walking backwards with you. Mm-hmm. And that's because I want people to hear the eloquence in your voice and in how you speak um, about such things and the knowledge that you have and the self, uh, self-awareness, the self-esteem, all of that, that I can tell is very much genuine that you have grown um, to have. Now in life, we all go through our own set of issues that wear at us. They, they just do period. Mm-hmm. And then to add on, you know, something that could be seen as an additional complication, depending on how you think about life um, and, and how you think about the severity of things. So can you take us back to when you found out, okay, and just kind of take us into how you got to this self-assured, amazing woman that you are, um, and it, and I won't even say in spite of, with, mm-hmm. let, let's say, standing next to all that you had found out about yourself. How did you do that? Girl, I got a hashtag to say Jesus and my therapist saved my life, you know. <laughs> mm. um, and because you know how during that time, September 29, 2016, I had just, when I'm thinking, I'm walking back, I had recently moved back from Brooklyn and New York is one of the places I've always wanted to live in. So I had finally got to the point that I was like, okay, I'm back at home. You know, let's shake and see what's going on. Stuff has started to normalize. And I had kind of flirted like, okay, I need therapy. You know, I'm 36. You know, I got some stuff. I got daddy issues. You know, I got imposter syndrome really bad. I, you know, I got some stuff I need. I need to go lay on the couch. You know, mm. um, I got a lot of friends who are therapists. They were like, dear. I was like, well, stop talking to me and, you know, give me one of your people's numbers so I can go see them. <laughs> like, I can't keep doing this with you. But um, so that's kind of where I was at that time, you know, making a little bit more money you know, get to flex a little bit, you know, that type of thing. And, um, you said, how did I get to this point? I I mean, once I got the diagnosis, I knew it was just like, again, I had to turn inward. Um, I didn't Mm. speak about my diagnosis for a year. Um, Mm. I didn't tell anybody. I told my immediate friends and family, and that was like maybe five to seven of them. And I kept their names in the notes in a note in my iPhone, because Mm -hmm. I said, if anybody finds out, it would have to be one of these seven people. I think seven people that told. So I kept the names and the date that I told them in my phone. So that's how secretive I was about who I told. But again, a lot of that played into, I didn't know what I was going to look like because I don't know, am I going to lose weight? Because when I got sick before I was diagnosed, I lost like 20 pounds in like a week and a half. Oh, wow. So I'm like, okay, what does this look like? Um, So after I told told them, I journaled um, and I prayed, you know, again, like you said, our roots is in in the Kojic church. So I turned to my faith and a lot of times diagnosis, something traumatic because being diagnosed with any illness isn't a a traumatic experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I turned inward, inward, I journaled, I prayed, and then what helped a lot was that God was told me um, during prayer was like, I need you to be what it is that you're looking for. And I was like, wait, huh? What? And mm. the night that I was diagnosed, I went home and I kept Googling I'm HIV positive. Now what? Kept Googling, kept answer. I'm answer trying to find a different way to say it. Answer. And everything that I found was very white. That was very male and it was very gay. Mm. And having been an ally, you know, this is, you know, I've done work in undergrad and, you know, postgraduate with different organizations with HIV. And I was like, wait a minute, Black women are being affected. Why can't I find what's necessary, a blog, a millennial sister, something, a person I can follow? Why is there not an abundance of these, 
if not if not 64% of all black women, you know, of all women who were diagnosed in America are black women, like two out of three women are black. Well, why can't I find this? And I soon realized that, you know, not to sound cliche, but representation matters. It does. So I knew that throughout this process, even if somebody went to my webpage today or if they went back there three years ago, when they picked up that that my, my page or my website, that could have been their day one, where it could have been my day 351. So mm-hmm. I knew that there was a day one for somebody else after me. And so, you know, not to sound all churchy, but you know, there, you know, there has to be transparency in your testimony. Yes. And I just knew that in order for me, this wasn't just for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the how at the time, but I just knew that this wasn't just for me. So because I kind of already had that attitude about certain things, because I was open about mental health, open about my daddy issues, open about being molested. So I was open about those things. And because I knew what the enemy, what thoughts do when you keep things in secret. And I was just like, I'm not, I can't keep, it was too heavy of a burden to keep in secret. So that's kind of what helped me, you know, shape through that. I was just like, this ain't for me. Like, this is bigger than me. This is larger than just Ladia. So I have to make sure that my mindset, first again, radical self-care, like make sure I'm good first before I pour anything out. But I know that the end result is not just for me. So walking back through that, it was a lot of prayer, a lot of journaling, a lot of therapy. I was on therapist's couch every Wednesday, I think at one o'clock <laughs> for like four, five, six months because I needed the coping mechanisms to be able to walk that through. You know what, Ladia, everything that you are sharing here, it's just, wow, like eye-opening. And as you talk more about how you got through that time, can we hear a little bit more about you? You talked about how you were already open about mental health. Mm-hmm. How did you um, even more open um, about your diagnosis and about what your feelings were, what your life would be like, and how you could help others? How did I become open? Mm-hmm. <sighs> how can I say this? If not me, then who? And I now, mm. then when? And I had a good girlfriend who used to say that all the time. She was one of like the seven. She was like, Dia, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And when you couple that with what I receive, you know, as a download through prayer, like you are to be what it is that you're looking for. That was enough for me to just rest in my faith to say, you know, I got to be open about this. Hindsight being 2020, I'm so glad I have been because you hear and talk to different women. It's like, D, I never heard it put that way or I wouldn't have never thought about that. So and just being open about certain things like if I can backtrack, I was molested from the time I was three to the time I was 16. Wow. I didn't say anything until I turned 24 years old. And. I often have this thing where I tell myself I'm 16 years old because like this was my sweet 16 year because it was 16 years since I said something about the molestation. And that moment when I said something about that, holding that for almost 24 years, I resolved in that moment to never allow myself to be silenced by somebody outside of myself again. So to have had that experience to have had to sit silent and idle, not working through anything, scared to say anything, but having that time of my life affect and impact so many other things of my life. I Because I knew what it felt like just for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll be damned if I live through something like this again. Mm-hmm. You know, like, nah, because I became a whole different person around that 24, 26, 27 year Mark, because it's almost like, and I'm, you know, with you being a, you know, a psychologist, I think you're a psychologist. Yes, you're a psychologist. Mm -hmm. You understand that sometimes you get pushed from one end of the pendulum to the whole other side. 
Oh, yeah. And then after years of you coping and finding, you know, your mechanics and all, you start to even out. And that pendulum starts to swing in the middle. And you're like, hey, this is the sweet spot. Yes. And having experienced that, I was like, oh, no, I'd be damned if I let something like HIV take me through that misery, you know? Mm. So that was the backdrop of why I was able to take HIV, for lack of better words, on the chin because I had lived this 24-year secret. You know what I mean? I may say here and there, but the people who needed to know didn't know. Wow. That was 24 years of my life. I was like, nah, sh- hell no. <laughs> nah. Like I'm not going to live like that anymore. No. And because I know what it's like for, you know, we like to say, you know, the devil in our faith, bad thoughts. I know what it's like for that to tap dance on your mentally. I know what it's like for that to tap dance on your, um, your self-esteem. I know what it's like for it to tap dance up one side of you and down another. And it's not tap dancing in a dance. And it's, it's, it's a dance that you don't want to be a part of, you know? So yes, I ain't want to shuck and jive no more because of me being quiet. You know? Yes. And it makes you even more, it makes you even more anxious. It messes with your mental health, which can mess and imbalance with, you know, everything else mm-hmm. in your life. Um, and, and keeping hush, which, ooh, we could do a whole nother podcast on that topic. Yeah. It never really bodes well for the people trying to keep things hushed for others who are, you know, hiding or not, you mm-hmm. know, owning in, owning up or uh, showing up. So I totally can understand that. And it's amazing to me that you were so insightful to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to live like that. And, because and I shouldn't. Mm-mm. The devil deals in secrets. And whatever mm-hmm. your devil may be, that's it's in them secrets and it's isolating and you ain't realize that you're isolated so you look up and be like oh i thought i was putting up walls no baby you have bricked yourself in wow wow you sure have <laughs> built a fort right on around you right that can cause even more issues we am not gonna do it wow. I, I was good i was like yeah nah we can't do this again mm-mm no. Now, so let me let me ask you this. If you were speaking um, to someone who was nervous about you, you talked about asking the questions, being open and honest, getting tested, doing the different things or doing the different work that you see is necessary to take care of yourself. And mm-hmm. that's radical self-care. What are the three top things uh, uh, top advice points that you would give someone that's scared to move forward with, you know, finding out what's going on with them, or if they have uh, come into believing something might be going on with them, how they can start to operate and function in a new way to to take control of their situation. So is this um, so for someone who? Has been diagnosed and then someone let's let's start right. Yes, I'm sorry. Let me define that. A person who has been and a person who has not. Okay, so we're gonna start with the person that has not. Um, so we say like that's our little niece or whatever, and she's scared to go take the test because I get these calls all the time. Well, I'm scared, you know, to go get the test. The first thing is I ask them, so what are you scared of? Like at the basis, like I top first thing. What are you scared of? Because I think a lot of times we try to um, get over the fact that sometimes you just got to address a thing and call a thing a thing, beloved, in my Ayala mm. voice. What are you scared of? Identify it. Call it out. So you can understand, okay, well, I'm scared of X, Y, and Z. All right, bam. So you scared of the pushback that you may get um, from him if you say, let's go get tested. Or if you say, I went and got tested. Okay, so let's explore why you're scared. Are you afraid mm-hmm. that you're going to push him away? Are you afraid that he's not going to be your boyfriend anymore? Are you afraid, you know, like, and I know it's, it's one of those things like an onion. You get to start pulling it back, but sometimes those conversations are necessary. So you can see where your mindset at. 
So it ain't really you being scared. It's really that you, you know, you feel some type of way this Negro that then left you feeling insecure anyway. So are we really going to not take a test because of somebody else who ain't mm. even demonstrated that they're con- they're, they have enough concern about your total well-being? Ooh, and there it is. And there it is. So that's why they be like, I'm so scared. We're scared of. And I mean, and I, and I ask them, Dia is very direct, but I'm direct in a auntie kind of way. Like, uh-uh, come here, baby. What you scared of? And I, mm. and I don't know is not a response. Mm. Well, what are you, mm. what are you really scared of? So that's one identifying why are you so afraid to take this test? Um, the second thing is, what would I tell someone who's scared to take the test? Look at it as you doing, it's, it's, it's a checkup for your whole body. Mm. So we get so hung up on, um, oh, I'm going to go take a, you know, a test for STI and STDs. Well, sis, it's just a simple blood draw, you know? It's basically making sure that, you know, you know, that test that you take for your diabetes or you take the test for your heart. It's the same test, but you're just trying to make sure that your sexual organs are healthy. Mm. Don't you want to make sure that you have a complete picture of your health? Mm. They're like, oh, I didn't. Because you deserve that. (laughs) Yeah. You go take an annual. You go get an annual every time you go get a physical once a year. Why are you not doing that same thing so you can get a snapshot of what's going on in your whole body? So we're just going to ignore our reproductive areas? They're yours, sis. You use them. Right. Right. So you should want to know. And you should have people in your life, you know, your lovers, your friends who will affirm you and support you, you knowing what your total health is. Right. getting a full panel is one of the most extensive full body snapshots that you can ever take. Meaning like when you get that four page, sometimes six page printout, after they do that blood draw and it's a full panel, it tells you everything from your potassium levels to Ooh, the good cholesterol. Yes it, it tells you everything. Like it is the last very- one told me I was <laughs> deficient in vitamin D. And so uh, we trying to right. get that together. So you like, you going in and it's like, you know, can I get a full panel done for SCIs and SCDs? And you come back and be like, what's this, your sodium low? Uh, Mm -hmm. Your cholesterol's off. It's a snapshot of your total health. I've had friends who was like, the doctors don't know what's going on with me, dear. And I've been like, tell them to give you a full panel. What? Tell them to give you a full panel to include HIV. I don't know what it is about their phraseology. Came back, sis, found out her potassium was low and it was causing every other things, you know, causing other things in her body. So it's, think of it as a snapshot of your whole body health. And why would you want to not know that? The first thing, Mm -hmm. ask yourself, why are you afraid to take this test? And then the third thing, someone who's afraid to take the test, ask somebody to go with you. Yeah. Ask somebody to go with you or when you get in there, if you don't have anyone that you trust, when you get in there, tell the doctor, I'm afraid. I'm scared. Talk to Mm. the nurses like, girl, I'm girl. I'm shook. Why are you shook? Because a lot of times, depending on how you are, they'll handle you. If you got good medical staff will handle you in such a way. So when they're going through the, um, the counseling, when you're waiting for the results to come back, they know how to word certain things. Because a lot of times we think that they're just supposed to know. Or she was just mm-hmm. so standoffish. But if you ain't going to say, listen, sis, listen, doctor, listen, nurse, miss nurse, m- Mr. Doctor, I'm scared out of my mind. Right, right. Please be gentle. And and, me, and and tell me whatever's going on, too. Right. And a lot of times we, we don't exercise our full self efficacy and our app we don't exercise it like going mm. to a doctor's office and saying hey i'm afraid this is why i'm afraid or just like i'm afraid but i know i need to take this test yeah. and being honest so those are my top three things for someone who's afraid to take the test now for someone who's just been diagnosed and you get the results and they've done the post counseling with you and you're sitting there with your results. Um, I would say 
I'm not like, you know, it's not the end of the world. No, you're going to feel like it's the end of the world. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm not. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. I'm not going to hold you on that one. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, you're going to feel like it's the end of the world. Um, I like to tell people, sit in that feeling. Sit in it. Don't try to push it off. Don't try, you know, I'm strong. No, 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 sis. No, sir. Sit in that. I say, you know, I mean, I may be wrong, but give yourself no more than 24 hours to sit in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge it. Feel all the feels. Go through whatever short-term um, grief cycle you need to go through in that 24 hours. Because mm. a lot of times we, especially as Black folks, especially as Black women, we push off like, I, I can't, no, I can't deal with that. I can't face that. How come you can't? This news is about to impact your and, and change probably the trajectory of your whole entire life, mm. depending on what it is. So you mean to tell me that you can't take 24 hours to sit in it? You're doing at yourself- least think about what you might do beyond that. Just, yes. just give yourself the chance to think. Think. Feel because we want to, uh, again, as black folks, we want to, you know, we got to get back to, I got, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you doing, I got to get back to the bag. The bag can wait. It sure can. <laughs> you know, them kids, you got to call somebody like, listen, sis, listen, mama, listen, dad, I need to drop them off. You know, whatever it is, it can wait. Cause at this point you have to radically become that person where you radically self-care because it's you against everything else right now. Mm-hmm. So first thing is first sit in it. Sit in it. Um, um, the second thing I would say is that you need to find a therapist. Mm. Um, because like I said earlier, this is a traumatic experience. And a lot of times we don't shape diagnosis as being traumatic experiences, but they are. Yes, and they are. You need someone like a Dr. Nina. You need someone like that on your team to help you navigate that space. Because again, as black folks, we try to, well, what's, what, what, what type of medicine you got to take? And, you know, what, what does this look like? You know, I need you to get your health right because you, if your mind's not right, you're not going to worry about no medicine. And I tell folks all the time, yeah, my medicine helps keep me, you know, my virus suppressed, but I had to get to a mental space and capacity that I wanted to take the medicine. So sometimes mental health is going to come before that pill. That I mean, it's an unpopular opinion, but it's my, you know, my truth um, and my opinion about it. So sit in your feelings. Um, the second one would be find a therapist. And the third one would be after the die. I'm trying to think what I did. Get connected to care. I would say don't push off. Don't push back. Don't delay getting connected to whatever the care looks like. You know, if it's herpes, if it's HIV, if it's chlamydia, if it's gonorrhea, if it's whatever it is, if it's cancer, if it's, you know, whatever the diagnosis is, do not delay getting connected to care. Because if we know what we know historically, medically historically with Black women especially, our stuff usually gets caught later anyway because of the disjustice that we have in in the healthcare system. And again, yes. that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother. And I, we, we, we got to talk on that. So because stuff shows up later for us, it's not caught as early. I need you to go find a doctor quickly. And this is the part where, you know, radical self care and pride can't reside in the same body. Cause mm. pride got to go out the door. It's gonna be some moments that you'd be like, "What do you need? I need you to come over here at seven o'clock. I need you to help me find a doctor. I need you if like that is pride and radical self care can't reside in the same. It can't. So when you when I say find a doctor, get connected to care, open up your mouth. You gonna you got to. 
because we can't afford to have any lapse of time between diagnosis and being under a doctor's care, whether it's holistic or if, you know, if it's, you know, traditional medicine, we need you to get connected. You woo, you have spent you have spent the knowledge today. See why I'm gonna have her. I'm already planning out like three different episodes. No, it makes perfect sense. It's, it I think so much something you said that's just so remarkable here mm-hmm. is you said something about sometimes you have to deal with the mental before you can deal with the physical. Because mm-hmm. what I'm thinking when you say that is sometimes people have not connected with the fact that this is what I'm dealing with. And I need to go into this knowing that I'm going to have to dedicate myself to taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to go through that mental piece, at least sit with that so that you can know what to expect from the physical part and know what to expect from the seeking treatment part. Because if you're not in tune with that, you probably are less likely to take it upon yourself to take the treatment seriously. Right. You're not going to be drug adherent. Like, um, I tell, I was, I got the prescription for my, um, HIV meds, got the prescription and I looked at it for a week. Mm. I looked at it. I was like, oh, okay. This is your new normal. You got to take one of these pills every single day. And every single day, you're going to be reminded that you have this diagnosis. Every single day at the same time when you take your medicine every single day. And had I not gone through therapy to have the skills to help turn off critic and turn up coach, I would not have been as adherent in the beginning, which is is most important, like I should have. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> that is, my goodness, that's food for thought. Do y'all hear that? And I, I feel like, too, what you're saying applies to so many other things in mm-hmm. our lives. I, I really do feel like you have me over here in my thoughts. When we don't deal with the mental part of that, you you were blessed enough to have the foresight, the mental care, the um, thought process that let you know that you were dealing with something and you were going to work with it. Um, and so many people don't, but I think they can get there mm-hmm. should they not just rush into doing something because someone says, but they make sure that they've prepared their minds to be able to adhere to what's necessary to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. So y'all hear that? And that, that's across the board, I believe. Period. That <laughs> applies to so many things. Now, sis, look, I could talk your head off all day, but I, I have to tell you, you are dope. And, and what my audience knows is that everybody that I've chosen to bring on in season two, I refer to as dope, destined to obtain prosperity in everything. So, Ladia, you've told us so much about yourself and I've gushed about you and that was genuine. Um, but what do you feel that in this world, the light that you hold makes you dope. What do you feel makes you your most dope and something that's unique that you give this world that no one else does? I was like, I would say I give them me, but no, that's a cop. That's a cop out, but no, um, <laughs> no, that's just an easy answer. Easy way to answer that question. But I would say, And I I call it my E to the third power, my experience, my expertise, and my education. And when I say that, it's like they've collided to create this bubble or, you know, this ever-evolving Ladia. And I give that to the world. You know, I'm really big on transparency. I mean, testimony requires transparency. And... What makes me dope is that once folks start, once they get to know me, once they follow me, they like, Ladia is consistent, but she's genuine and she's direct. And I'm going to, and I'm not saying like Jesus, but you know how when Jesus, you know, here we go with the faith thing. But when he came off the cross and he was a doubting Thomas and he touched his scars because he didn't believe. 
You know what I'm saying? I take that to heart. And I'm trying not to say, ooh, I'm not going to cry. Uh-uh, Dr. Nina, you're not going to make me cry because I got through oh. this without crying. But what, ooh, what makes me dope is that I allow you to touch my scars. Mm. Yes. Yes. Wow. Oh, Dr. Nina, I promise you, I didn't think that was going to happen, but I let you touch my scars. Mm. And we don't have enough of that when it comes to black women. And we're like, you know, I'm that, you know, I think of black people, even if, you know, we may not say we're not from Africa, but in the African sense where we're a tribe and hashtag, and I hate to say, but we all we got. It's something that is on my heart. Like I'm constantly saying, we all we got, y'all. We're mm-hmm. all we got. And I don't see myself as being my sister's keeper. I'm my sister. Mm. So if me showing you my scars, if me allowing you to, you know, see into my life just a little bit, even if you doubt and I'm like, well, come sit with me for a while. Oh, I feel like I'm preaching, but um, no, please preach, please. And I say, come sit with me for a while, because if we're to walk this life out as followers of Christ, and I'm supposed to do what, what Christ did, Christ liberated, he vindicated, he affirmed, and he did it especially for women. He didn't judge. He didn't shun. He supported well, I've been doing this, Lord. He he didn't ask some people what he they did. He was like, what's the lesson in this? Live your life. Take this parable. Take this word from me. Let me show you my life. Let me show you my scars. So it may not be HIV, but something that you've gotten from me may help you run on a little bit. And if I just touch one person and you've done something different, or I've impacted you in such a way that changed your mindset or opened up your mind or your eyes then that makes me one hell of a dope person. You know what I'm saying? So that's what makes me dope because everybody doesn't have it. I know I'm graced to do it, but it's necessary. Because again, I'm not my sister's keeper. I'm my sister. And I'm going to beat you up for making me cry. And that's it. (laughs) You got me over here in my feelings. Look, I had to put myself on mute. Uh, Jesus, no, it, it, oh my goodness, eye opening and so revealing in a way when you said touching your scars, so many people in this world would never know what that feels like. And I feel like what I'm hearing is a constant theme for you. A constant theme is that you were open and open to not only um, healing, not only to the experiences, but you were open to life. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that that makes you dope. I think that you've, you've always possessed that. Just hearing your story, just the things that you've overcome, the things that you have not only just overcome, but graced, gracefully uh, come through. And wow, sis, like we commend you, you know, <laughs> big, big ups. I don't even know if they still say big ups. <laughs> but no I get more, you, but I, I do. get it. <laughs> big ups because that's, that's just an unreal place of self-actualization that most will never reach. And I know that your cries are not in in a uh, a way of, of sadness or sorrow, they're Mm-mm. cathartic. And I feel like it's something that I was over here sharing. That's why I put myself on mute. We got you. We got you. They, they, they done heard me cry enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it was time for somebody else to cry. I got you. It, okay. was, it was time. It was time. It was time. But you know what, sis? We are so happy and we will be having you on again because there's so many things to unpack here. And I just know that the audience is learning so much um, and can and can definitely relate. And I know that from the questions that I get. And I feel that you've been able to enlighten in such a way that I don't have the capacity to do. And I think that it's just so uh, amazing how you're doing it and how you're blessing the world with your story. So 
we are amazed and in awe of you. And the Dr. Nina Kemp supports you. <laughs> we support you. So if before we go, before mm-hmm. we go, can you tell the audience where they can find you and support you even further and even more? I know they're going to see you over here again, but <laughs> could you tell us? Look how I'm throwing that in. I'm just right, throwing right. in the pressure, <laughs> just peppering it on. But can you let us know where they can find you and support you even further? Yes. Um, my website is Positively Dia. Um, that's, you don't have me spell Positively, P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E-L-Y-D-E-I-A.com. I'm also Positively underscore Dia on all social media networks. Um, COVID has thrown, you know, a monkey wrench in my content creation, but Positively underscore Dia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, you can find me there. And that's it. Yeah, that covers the gamut of it. And like she said, Doctor, you know, I'm gonna call y'all baby dolls because that's the name. But yes. <laughs> um, doc, you know, Doctor Neil said I'll come back. So I'm happy to come back. Just, you know, let me know because this girl, you I didn't realize I needed to cry. So maybe I just need to cry today. So but no, um, but that's what they I can stay find crying. Me. So. <laughs> 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 we stay crying over here, so just get ready. Oh, child. I'm like, oh, I ain't gonna wear no lashes next time. Just take them off. <laughs> child. Hey. Well, thank you so much, y'all. Make sure you check her out. We are so glad and so blessed to have had you. And we will certainly be doing this again. And once again, thank you for taking up your time to be with us today. This was this was dope. So you just words like I always say hella dope. This is so hella dope. And like I said, I gushed and fan girl. So I'm like, Eek, it's Dr. <laughs> so I'm just grateful and honored and humbled to have the opportunity. So thank you again. No problem. Thank you. Y'all, that's it for today's episode. And I want you to stay tuned for more and subscribe to know when I post my next episode and sign up for my free e-newsletter at drninaellishervey.com. And you'll also receive my free eight-day supernatural video course, which is such a doggone amazing free program that you need to get into right now. You come into the end of the year. We want to enter that year strong. 2020 ain't all lost. 2021 going to be the Okay, so I want y'all to get on in there and try that out. Not only that, go back and listen to some of my older episodes of the podcast. Watch some of my videos over on YouTube and visit me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You guys, please take care of yourself and be safe out here. Love you much. Dr. Nina signing out. Peace.